And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome to The Masogi Method with work happiness expert Jody B. Miller. Each week, Jody introduces you to amazing people who have broken through huge barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness in their lives. For every one of us, the path to lasting joy has always been there, but it may take a masogi to get you on it. Jody did it, her guest did it, and now you can too. Here's your host, Jody B. Miller. Welcome to the Masogi Method. I am Jody Miller, your host. I'm so happy you're here. As you know, it's the Masogi Method, breaking through barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness that lasts in your work and your life. I am so jazzed to have Bradshaw Lambert on here with us today. Bradshaw and I go way back, and I have been following his career as an artist manager. He has been developing and managing professional artists for over 30 years. He's a true Hollywood guy and the CEO of GBL Media Management, and he has just done amazing things. So welcome to the show, Bradshaw. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's talk about how you got into this industry and what inspired you to jump in. Oh, wow. Well, from the very beginning, when I was a little kid, I would listen to the radio and I wanted to know where the music came from because I love the music. And that later on led me to study telecommunications at college. And then a close friend of both of ours had a father who hired me to work at a radio station. Ah, yes. And that was, um, that was the first big step to get closer to the music. And then after three years at that radio station, I realized I wanted to be closer to the music. And so the next stop was the recording studios. Yeah. So, uh, so from there, I went to Los Angeles and I slept on my grandparents' couch. And, um, oh my gosh, have we all done that in our lives? <laughs> <laughs> Some nice person lends us their couch for a while. Yeah, and I ended up going to the Hollywood Unemployment Office because I thought, oh, I'll just get a, a sort of a waiter job at night, and then I can be an intern in a studio. And yeah. at the time, uh, there was a list of recording studios that the um, unemployment official had on his desk, and he picked it up, and he goes, well, you would work for free in a studio? I said, yes. And he dialed the first number, and it was A for A&M Studios, Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss's studios. And uh, he called the GM up there, and the guy said, uh, he'll work for free? And the unemployment agent said, yes, he will. And, and the GM said, send him, send him up here. That's great. And, yeah, and then I went in there, and, and his name was Paul Sloman, and Paul told me, he goes, you're not going to work for free. You're going to work about 100 hours a week, and you're not going to see the light of day, and I'm going to pay you X amount, and if you really want to do this, you will. And he was right. And so uh, that studio at the time was run by a gentleman named Jimmy Iovine. Oh, my gosh, from Beats? Yes, and prior to that, Interscope Records. And, yes. And uh, so... I worked for Jimmy for about three years. Wow. Yeah. And then from there, 
I went to a different recording studio and a couple of partners of mine were the new guys. And one of them handed me a tape one day and said, Hey, Bradshaw, you want to start a label? I, I said, I just said, sure. I wasn't really thinking. And, you know, for the next few years, we started putting our personal money into this new label called Bong Load Records. And uh, the fifth artist... Wait a minute. Released, wait a minute. What does that stand for? <laughs> Bong Load Records. Well, Jody, <laughs> there's some shorthand there. We were going for the college crowd. Got it. And, Got um, it. Yeah. We, uh, we had fun with that name because people knew right away that it was not they knew it was underground. The minute they kind of edgy. Yes, totally. And so um, the fifth artist that we released was a kid named Beck. And oh, song, wow. He's huge. Yeah. And the song was called Loser. And we put it out on vinyl. And I sent it up to radio stations along the West Coast of California, all the way up to Seattle. And everywhere that that song went, it just caught fire. And it would go from the college radio station Top 10, it would, it would go number one on the college list, and then it would jump the fire line over to the commercial station, to the K-Rock awesome. or, or uh, the end in Seattle. So um, that was our fifth release, and I thought, hey, this is going to be easy. They're all going to be like this. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I learned later, about 50 artists later, that you know, there's really something special about the great ones. So... Let me back up for a second about Beck, for example. How yes. did you discover Beck? How does a talent manager discover talent? Well, there's a lot of ways you can, but in this particular situation, our producers, uh, Tom Rothrock and Rob Schnapp, were at this event in L.A. called the Sunset Junction Music Festival, and I don't think they still have it anymore. But uh, they both saw this artist from different vantage points, and they reconnected and said, wow, did you see that guy? Maybe we should record that guy. And the answer was yes. And so by the time it came to me as the GM partner of the label, my job was to create the product and to market it to the world. So to answer your question, to, to hunt for talent, uh, you got to be out in the world and uh, you got to have your ears open. And you can get submissions through the mail as well. But the best thing, I personally need to see somebody live. I want to know what they're delivering when mm -hmm. they're on stage. Yeah, live music is just so, so revealing about their character and personality. Is the set tight? Is it, yeah. you know, are they, are they engaging? Are they boring, right? You're probably that, looking for all that. That's exactly right. Like the room needs to shift. You need to see the audience. I do a lot of that. I'm watching the audience engage with the artist. And, you know, are the guys tapping their feet? Are the women moving their bodies? You know, is it, is it starting to be fun in here? Mm -hmm. And it's very clear to me when that's happening. Yeah. And so then, you know, so when you first started out, what, so I'm, this is for the people listening that are really interested in getting into the industry. Yeah. What sort of things did you do when you were working crazy hours before you started your label? Mm -hmm. What kind of things can people expect to do? Well, from my side, uh, the recording side, you can, you know, expect to work so much that you forget your own name. I mean, I really, I really uh, just had one day to do laundry and, and pay bills, and then I was back in the studio. That was a little extreme, but, you know, I think, I think it exemplifies that when you're doing something you love, it becomes your lifestyle. It yeah. becomes something that you adapt to. 
And you know, you it stop. Probably doesn't even feel like work. It stops seeming like work. That's yeah. exactly right. And you're not just worried about how many hours you're putting in. You know, you're really enjoying what you do. You the time flies, right? So if you you're on your giving someone the hundredth cup of coffee, you're like here. Yeah. Here's your hundredth <laughs> cup of coffee. I'm so happy to do this for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for me, it was like, oh, now I get get to go get Bruce Springsteen a meatball sandwich. That's a cool awesome. gig. Yeah. Oh, he's one of my favorites. I would get him a meatball sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from New Jersey, so I probably know all his songs by heart. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so then what happens? So you have this label, you discover Beck, a yes. number of other artists, and then what happened then? What inspired you to move forward from there? We had this deal with Island Records, and uh, that deal expired. And, and with it, much of the money had expired. We had upstreamed back to uh, Geffen Interscope Records with Jimmy Iovine. At the time, David Geffen was still there. And then later, Jimmy Iovine purchased Geffen Records. So what I learned that of the 50 artists, only one of them was platinum, multi-platinum. Only one of them sold millions. Only one of them won Grammys. Hmm. And I realized that there was a pretty big difference between good and very good and very, very good and great. It was really like balls and strikes. So I went on the search for something great. I did a little time at an internet radio station. I got back into radio for about a year and that was fun. But all the while I engaged with songwriters at that radio station, I received songwriter music and I would put it on the air. So oh. it was still, still very much involved in that way. And I realized that I work better one-on-one -on -one with songwriters. So did the lyrics Yeah, did the lyrics inspire you more? Yeah, I like one-on-one -on -one better than what can be sometimes a family dysfunction with a giant band. Mm -hmm. You know, because when there's a lot of opinions in a band, it can get complicated. And I realized, well, the songwriters are really the people that I like. They're not always the loudest guy in the room. So you kind of mm -hmm. have to find out, you know, who does what. And then, of course, the songs have the longevity. Um, yes. So that they are intellectual property pieces that are here forever. And so uh, that piqued my interest. And then uh, not long after that, I was at a ASCAP convention. And um, I came across a guy who I saw sitting in the corner looking a little forlorn. He had a name tag on. It said Jack Tempshin. Ah, oh, for the Eagles. Yes. And I said to my partner at the time, I said, I think that's Jack Tempshin. And he said, who the hell is Jack Tempshin? And I said, I think he's the songwriter for the Eagles. And so sure enough, I went over there and introduced myself. And I said to him, Jack, what are you doing here? He said, well, I'm helping kids. I'm helping examine songs for kids. And I said to him, I think you should be on a panel here. I don't think you should be back here in the corner. And he goes, yeah, I told them that. I told them I should be on a panel. Mm. And I said to him, ah, you manage yourself. And he said, yes, I do. And he goes, I'm trying to save a little money. And I said, okay, well, if you ever need representation, number one, it would subject you to less rejection. Yes. And number two, it would help expedite the process of people saying yes or no to you because they're not worried about telling the guy in person this great songwriter, oh, we can't have you, you know. Sure. And also, it's so much greater when someone else is complimenting you and tooting your horn. Than that's yourself. right. That's right. And that's, and that's the pro way to do it. 
So uh, six months later, I finally got a call from him. He said, I think I might need your help. And I said, well, what did you learn about what I do? And he said, I learned that I don't like it and I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, at least, at least he knew that he could make that line in the sand. That's good. That's right. And I said, okay, well, you're going to pay me and I'm going to do a lot of stuff for you. And I'm going to try and make a story happen for you. I'm not going to promise you that you'll be number one on the billboard charts, but this is a cool story. You've written at least five multi-platinum songs for the Eagles and nobody knows your name. So what are some of the songs that he's written? I know Peaceful Easy Feeling for sure, but what yes. are some of Jack's other songs? That song and Already Gone, oh, which love is that also one. on the Eagles' greatest hits, 1971 to 75, are on the best-selling U.S. band album of the 20th century. Wow. So Eagles' greatest hits was huge. And then, of course, after that, they broke up. And during the 14-year breakup, or what the Eagles call vacation, <laughs> Jack took the Don Henley seat and he became the primary co-writer with Glenn Fry. Oh, that's amazing. Glenn Fry's solo career, yeah. So it had all the uh, hits from uh, things like Miami Vice, the 80s television series. Yes, I remember that. Yes. All the white outfits, the white Right, like white and the, suits and <laughs> the million dollar cars. Yes. yes, and Jack co-wrote several songs with Glenn Fry, like "Smuggler's Blues," uh, which wow. was an episode that Glenn Fry starred in, and then also "You Belong to the City." That was another mm. pretty big one. That yes. was two on the charts, and then uh, for about three or four more albums, Jack was the co-writer, and then the Eagles reunited. I think we're 1994 right now. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Jack co-wrote a song called The Girl From Yesterday, which is almost a country-sounding song. Yeah. That, that was on the Eagles' Hell Freezes Over album, the reunion release. Was that when artists were starting to cross over genres? Well, the Eagles were the first to cross over genres because back in the 70s, Best of My Love was one of the first rock and roll songs to cross over to the country charts. Wow. So this was old news to them. And, and then, of course, more recently, they had a song that was on Academy of Country Music Awards, and that won a Grammy in the country album. Oh, my goodness. Uh, category. Yeah. So, uh, it's so one no big world now. Crossed it over, yeah. I mean, it's always changing, but they were pioneers of that. So continue. And then finally, on the last Eagles studio album, Jack has two co-writes, one with a guy named John Brandon, and it's sort of a, a rock and roll intense Halloween song called Somebody, and it has uh, great descriptive lyrics about jack-o'-lantern moons and midnight skies. That is a two-CD album, mm -hmm. and on the second CD, the very last song is a tune called It's Your World Now, and this song was written with Glenn Fry. And it's kind of eerily haunting now because it has lyrics in it that people are noticing were foretelling his early departure. Really? Uh, yeah. And so Jack co-wrote that. And then when Glenn Fry passed away, they posted the lyrics to the song on the Eagles website. Oh, uh, that's very special. powerful. Yeah. It's very beautiful. It's very sad. Uh, and yet it's, you know, it's positive at the same time. It's the curtain falls. I take my bow. You'll be all right. It's your world now. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so those are the five Eagle songs total. So Jack, does he go out on tour now? Yes. We actually, we just went up the West Coast to the Bay Area. And in June, 
he'll be headed to the Northwest to play Portland and Seattle and Olympia. I bet people just flock to that because, I mean, to see the actual songwriter and hear him sing it and, and tell the story of how it was created and be such a pivotal part of one of the most well-known bands in the world must just be so engaging. It is. It's really, it's captivating. If you like great stories, and if you like the story behind the song, Jack always uh, sets up every song with the history of it and uh, how it came to be. That's so, awesome. Yeah, so, so when you said to Jack in the beginning, I, I can do lots of things for you, what other kind of things can you do for songwriters or artists in general that you represent that kind of uh, continues and expands the franchise? Well, it depends on the artist. You know, one example that you and I had discussed was um, I sort of zero in on what's special about the artist and I document the artist's history and I look for things to tie it in with. And for Jack, there was one particular song, the Peaceful Easy Feeling song. He had finished the last verse of it at a hot dog stand in San Diego called Der Wiener Schnitzel. <laughs> while he was waiting for a chili dog. <laughs> it's so, amazing where inspiration comes from. Right? <laughs> and so I had this crazy idea that, hey, maybe we could get Der Wiener Schnitzel to underwrite this story and, and uh, help us publicize it and uh, make an event in San Diego around the fact that he finished it there. And then my brain, Jody, kind of moved on to like, what if it was bigger than that? What if I did something really crazy and we called it Peaceful Easy Feeling Day in San Diego? Ah, to hear your Masogi coming up. I think so. I think so. And then I had this insane idea like, I know I will reach out to the mayor of San Diego and get a proclamation that calls this December 1st date, Peaceful Easy Feeling Day. Now, this was such a crazy idea that I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't even tell Jack because I thought, oh, my God, they're going to think I'm nuts. This is just- Well, that's the, that's the best thing about a Masogi is when someone <laughs> says you're a little crazy, that's usually a good sign. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so I thought, yeah, maybe I'll just not tell anybody. And then if I get rejected, there's no high risk thing as, aside from I'll take it you know, personally, it'll have an impact, but it's not going to, you know, embarrass me. And um, the outgoing mayor at the time was Jerry Sanders. And he was kind of at the end of his term there in San Diego. And he wrote back to me, I love it. I love this idea. December 1st. You put it out there, you go for it, you go for those inspired actions. And look what happened. And a magic thing happened. And so he said, what do you want on the proclamation? Because they give you this proclamation on fine paper with an embossed stamp and lovely fonts. Nice. And I said, well, you know, he's done a lot of community shows and charities. And he's been a lifelong San Diego resident. And um, he's always involved in the community. And Jerry Sanders emailed back, just write it up. So, <laughs> you so know him best so that was yeah, good advice. so basically i got to write the proclamation of peaceful easy feeling day for the city of san diego that could be another sideline job for you Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> writing proclamations for famous artists <laughs> there it is so from that then it was easy jody then i go to dewinerson so i said hey guess what dewinerson so the mayor of san diego is going to proclaim december 1st peaceful easy feeling day for the 40th anniversary of Jack Temption's song having been 
recording a release by the Eagles. And Dwayne Snitzel said, wow, we'll give away free chili dogs. <laughs> and awesome. from there, from there, you know, then I created the press release. Hey, there's going to be this big event. And the mayor said that they would send a representative. He was unavailable. They said they'd send a representative to the Derwiner Schnitzel to present Jack with the proclamation on Peacefully to Thieling Day. Oh, that's awesome. And people showed up. And then the other thing that happened is about four or five TV stations showed up, four radio stations showed up, and the San Diego Union, of course, showed up too. Yes, that's a key so, one. Yeah, and, and the weekly. So we had major exposure for that one event, and, and Jack sang a song, and Der Wiener Stitzel presented him with a plaque that they put at the table where he finished the song. And oh. when, he's, when he's live, he always tells the story about how proud he is that eventually someone stole that plaque. Really? He's yeah, he's very proud that somebody cared enough to steal <laughs> That's good. That's a good attitude. Yeah, that's his humor. And so, yeah, that's go ahead. And so that, that I think, was my Masogi. Right yeah. There. I have to imagine product development. It, did anything come after that? Well, now that was five years ago. Here we are five years later. We returned with the 45th anniversary of Peaceful Easy Feeling. And I reached out to Doreen Schnitzel again. And we had a show in LA. And they sent their wiener wagon out to the venue. And we gave away hot dogs right before the show. Awesome. And then also uh, they gave us coupons to take on the road to and to all attendees. So I, I, in that way, I think I returned to that same idea. What about wine? A lot of artists create <laughs> wine or um, sauces or yeah. products. Have you, have you gone in that direction at all? Yes, we do have a Peaceful Easy Feeling Cabernet. Nice. And for a while, we had a Peaceful Easy Feeling Chardonnay. That same idea was like, well, how else can we monetize these three important words, which are the song title to the most famous song that Jack wrote? Well, not only that, but a, a song, not only in the fame, but the fact that this song touches people so deeply. Yes. And I mean, when you have a glass of wine, you feel even better. So it makes a lot of right. sense. <laughs> that's right. And so on the back of uh, the wine, it does say words to that effect. I got to write that too. And so, yeah, we're always looking for opportunities to market uh, the Peaceful Easy Feeling brand. And we're looking at a clothing line coming out at the end of this year in time for the holidays. It'll have sort of a cactus theme because of the lyric that says, I want to sleep with you in the desert tonight with a billion stars all around. Oh, I like it. I want one of those. That's the best line. <laughs> so let me ask you sort of a, a personal question. You can answer yes. it or not, but like when you go on tour, tell me one funky story that happened. Well, let's see. Because Jack's an older individual, we don't have many, too many rock and roll stories, if that's what you're asking. The challenging part with Jack is he likes to stay up to four or five in the morning every night. Oh. And so yeah. that can lead, you know, uh, the most dramatic thing that happens is he'll order, you know, three or four meals from room service right before they close. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's always But you get hungry when you're up till four in the morning. And that's a classic artist lifestyle, right? I mean, it starts yes. in the evening. They go all night. Yes. They're probably totally enthused and, and, and excited and just yeah. deliver an amazing performance like Jack does. Yes. And they get hungry. They do. <laughs> 
And sometimes the restaurants are closed before in the morning. It's funny. I've talked to so many different um, celebrity type people in different walks of life. And a, a friend of mine who's a big tennis player has won a bunch of grand slams and a gold medal in the Olympics would talk about how Andre Agassi would sneak in candy. And they weren't allowed to have sugar, but he'd sneak in candy and he'd bribe the guards, the security guards, to go get him Burger King. There it is. (laughs) So they all have something. It's usually with food. (laughs) That's funny. So what advice can you give to young people who really want to break into this industry other than don't? Other than don't. (laughs) Right. I have a lot of parents get mad at me, Jody, because... When they say, what kind of advice would you give to a young person who wants to enter the music industry? I say, don't. And the reason I say don't is not because I want to burst their bubble or uh, because I'm a curmudgeon. Uh, There's very real reasons financially not to enter it now. Uh, And what is is that? Is it that that the the revenues or the royalties coming from music are slimmer? Like almost trading in the banking industry, trading is like almost gone because yeah. it's on the dollar. Yeah, that's right. Because the, the price that the artist and songwriter are compensated for their music has cratered. First it happened with Napster where people were getting music for free and the recording industry did not handle that very well. And then it just became one thing after another. And now Spotify is sort of the legitimate version of it. That'll pay like a, a fifth of a cent every time you hear an artist's song. So, so are artists taking any of that under their own control and maybe selling mm-hmm. tickets themselves or only mm-hmm. allowing music on certain platforms that pay them what their value, you know, what the, really what they're worth. I mean, they're the creators. Yes. But I mean, some of them are like the Beatles will always hold out. They're always the last one in, whether it was iTunes or Spotify, they kind of sit back and they wait uh, before they put their music in. But if you're an, a new artist, you don't have that leverage. I don't recommend that. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is that I recommend that you get really focused on what you love doing. It will become your lifestyle. And uh, hopefully you will make some money if you get out on the road uh, and play shows. But that's not guaranteed either. So the best thing I advise now for the people who still want to be in the business after I say don't. <laughs> Uh, I say just get really focused on what you're doing. And you will, now more than ever, you really do need a job. You cannot survive at this point in time until there's some congressional law changes. You cannot survive with compensation that's out there right now. You have to have a second job. And then maybe you stay up all night writing your songs and you pitch your songs to people and uh, hopefully it, it plays out for you. But that thing about... I told her I mentioned earlier about the good and the great mm-hmm. that now more than ever is transparently clear. You can be a very good guitarist, but we know there are a lot of t- guitarists in the world. And, but we also know there's only one Prince or there's only one Jack White. Mm-hmm. You know? And these, these are the artists that, um, as we know, made it their lifestyle. Right. Just, just live it. Yeah. So if someone wanted to get into your side of the business, it sounds to me like it's not just picking up a, an amazing talent like a Jack Temption, but also monetizing or expanding that franchise in many different directions in order for them to really capture 
the revenues they deserve. Yeah, at this point, that's what we're doing. You know, the money is made on the road with uh, the merchandise, the T-shirts, the albums, the CDs, the hats, and then uh, and then the licensing of the brand to the wine and items like that. So it's really um, it's really tough now for kids coming up because you can have a degree. They have degrees now for the music business. Mm-hmm. I think didn't Jimmy Jimmy Iovine start a a whole division at USC with Dr. Dre? All that's correct. Them. Yeah, that's I correct. remember that. Yeah. You can study the music business there, but when you get out, you're going to be facing the same problems that the veterans are. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be determined. You have to stick with it and believe. and Absolutely. You you have to burn for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember in, there's a documentary with Jimmy Ivey and Dr. Trey called The Defiant Ones. And in this documentary, Jimmy says, you have to use your fear as a tailwind. Mm. And what does that mean? He's, instead of, backing off when you're scared, he, he suggests doubling down when you're scared. That's so interesting you say that because I heard him do the commencement speech. My, my daughter graduated from USC and it happened to be that year. And yeah. he talked about how he was this kid from Brooklyn. And when he met Steve Jobs, he, he walked out of that meeting saying, my business is over. And yes. had to remake himself at 54 years old. That's right. That's right. So very inspiring speech. So it's never too late. And look what you've done, Bradshaw. You started out being, you know, in the, in the studio, at a radio station, following your path and following the signs along the way that took you into this talent representation where you're discovering and developing and managing talent. And then you found that the songwriter side was really interesting to you. And I bet you're one of the few people in the country who's a specialist at that. And I mean, you can find talent agents everywhere or managers for everyone, but to be able to really work with songwriters that seem to be in the shadows of the talent that's singing is really, really unique and niche. And I think I've got to think you are one of the few people and you've been so successful. So if there are any songwriters out there who are looking for amazing management, they should contact Bradshaw. And how can people contact you, Bradshaw? Well, I have a website, Jody, at BradshawLambert.com, and uh, people can submit their music there, and um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. I'm also on LinkedIn. Great. And for songwriters, you know, that's a natural, and for talent, you still are looking for talent like you always do? I do have one spot on my roster at this time. Okay. I'm open to that. Awesome. So you're in high demand, but you'll (laughs) let one more in. (laughs) That's correct. That's correct. I love it. Well, I can't wait to go to the next Jack Tempton show and keep in touch with you and buy all that stuff that's coming out about laying under the stars. That's it. (laughs) Sounds romantic. Yeah, you can look for Jack Tempton things at uh, peacefuleasyfeeling.com. Awesome. Well, Bradshaw, thank you so much for being on the Masogi Method. I loved your Masogi about Jack Tempton Day. I'm sure you're thinking of your next one. That's right. To all our listeners, thank you for joining us. And if you're a songwriter, if you're an artist in Hollywood, Bradshaw is your guy. He gets a lot done for you. And I can personally recommend him because I've known him for a long time. So thank you all for being here. Thanks for being on the Sodi Method. And we'll see you next time.
Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Get to Old Navy today. All tees, all shorts, and all dresses are on sale now for 50% off. That's right. Get 50% off all tees, 50% off all shorts, and 50% off all dresses. Get the styles you want most right now with shorts from just $12 for adults, $8 for kids. Tees start at just $7 for adults, $6 for kids. Don't miss out. Hurry into Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 619 to 626. Excludes in-store clearance, active, licensed, men's packaged flag styles.